This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is John Weber, past president of the National Pork Producers Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry provides individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Iowa hog farmer John Weber next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. America's Crop Insurance Industry, providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Export sales are critical to the bottom line of U.S. pork producers. Last year, 26% of U.S. pork production was sold outside the U.S. borders. John Weber, an Iowa hog farmer and past president of the National Pork Producers Council, says the pork industry has spent the past several years gearing up to satisfy greater global market share. We saw this happening in the during the years of negotiation of TPP. We were relaying news to our producers. There was a lot of talk about TPP and what that potential held. And we were working on other markets and other free trade agreements as well, especially in uh, Central and Latin America. But we could tell that producers wanted to participate in this global marketplace. Our trade shows were going. There was a lot of talk about expansion. You know, it, it wasn't excessive expansion, but it was increased efficiency and operations running at full capacity. And we kind of felt this coming on, and it didn't really become a concern. We were really pleased to see it. I was happened to be president when the new packing plants were pretty much initiated and, and started there, and it was a, just a really an optimistic time in our industry. First time in over 20 years that we'd had new uh, processing facilities added to the pork industry. And all of a sudden we were dealing with, you know, maybe two or three smaller plants and two or three larger plants coming into our industry, all in anticipation of a global marketplace in expanding our industry and selling pork overseas. And I I mentioned this many times to my peers that during the TPP negotiations, there was this hidden optimism among producers. Hey, these guys want to participate. Things are going to happen in our industry and then when the packing plants came along, it really became evident that things could happen. And then in 2016, which was the year that I was president of MPPC, um, we had the campaign for our presidential election. And it was really concerning to us when trade became a front and center campaign issue. We were very concerned about that understood what was going on politically, and believe me, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to understand everything that goes on politically, but trade became a front and center issue of that campaign, and we were quite concerned about that, and some of the rhetoric that was going on uh, with doing away with TPP and multilateral trade deals, it, it really became concerning, and obviously, as the election played out in November, we were all taken by surprise. I think I think a lot of the country was taken by surprise. Um, not that it was a bad thing. A lot of support for the current administration, but the attitude on trade never really changed. So some of our fears 
have now, two years later, in July of 2018, have come into reality. And it, it's been a tough pill to swallow. Um, all the work we did on TPP was gone with the stroke of a pen. It was basically just lost opportunity, but it, it was gone. And then the fear of what may happen with renegotiating very successful free trade agreements for the pork industry and for all of agriculture in that matter, we had this anxiety, and we're still living with that anxiety today because the only free trade agreement that's been successfully renegotiated is the Korean free trade agreement. And we came through that fairly well. But NAFTA is still wide open. There's a lot of issues yet remain to be solved with the NAFTA renegotiation. Again, our number one volume customer with Mexico and our neighbors to the north with Canada being number four, we do an extreme amount of trade with these two countries, both live animals and product. So it has a big implications for American farmers and American pork producers. And until that agreement is fully settled, it's a time of high anxiety. There's a lot of things circling here about trade. Before we go to specifics on some of these, let's talk about your top markets from a dollars and cents standpoint, from a volume standpoint. If you, if we, if we make a list, who's highest on the list in terms of bottom line for producers in the country? Where do they go? Well, obviously, from a value standpoint, is Japan because they're a well-developed economy. They buy muscle cuts. They buy high-end cuts. An extremely important market is Japan. Behind them would be Mexico, um, a high-volume market. They buy a lot of hams, other parts of the carcass that go to Mexico for further processing. Just a huge customer uh, there. And then, obviously, South Korea, Canada oscillate back and forth on, on volume and value, depending on what parts of the pig you know you send there. Last year, we exported $1.1 billion to China. And that was our number two volume. But China buys a lot of variety meats and products that we don't consume in this country, but add significant value to the pork carcass. Exports alone added over $50 in value to last year's average pig price. And so it's a big factor for U.S. pork producers. Exports are a huge factor. So the president, uh, first of all, pulled out of the TPP, which squashed a lot of hopes that you had mentioned, and then started pulling out of NAFTA and talking tough about a renegotiation. That's still not done. And now says he's not necessarily uh, in a hurry to get it done before the midterm election. We've had the election complete in Mexico. What are your hopes on NAFTA, and why is it important to close this NAFTA deal? First of all, we were supportive of renegotiating NAFTA. There were some segments of our economy that did not even exist back when NAFTA was first negotiated. And so we thought it was time to open it up and take a look at it. But from an agricultural standpoint, NAFTA has been a huge success. And we wanted to just basically be left alone in the renegotiation process. Well, what has developed and happened during this time frame with this tariff war, especially on steel and aluminum, that put us as front and center targets for retaliation by these countries. So now today, the negotiations have somewhat deteriorated in, in my mind, where we're facing tariffs from Mexico and potential tariffs from Canada, 
as retaliation for the U.S. imposing tariffs on steel and aluminum. So talk about the how the tariffs from Mexico have affected and will affect your relationship with that partner. Very difficult situation. You know, I can't imagine, I'm not involved with the negotiations that Bob Lighthizer and Wilbur Ross are conducting with Canada and Mexico, but certainly these, these out, well, I call them outside issues, um, make renegotiating NAFTA very difficult. The tariffs on steel and aluminum is number one. The whole immigration issue would be number two. Those are outlying issues that I think need to be resolved to make a smoother, better NAFTA renegotiation. So I think that some of the things that are entering into this today, they're causing the delay. I think our neighbors to the south want to see the immigration issue addressed one way or another. Um, and then obviously the tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum, uh, that was a tough one for them to, to take. I'm somewhat fearful of how NAFTA may end up here. I'm, I think if we can get through NAFTA and get it successfully renegotiated, I think American pork producers, soybean producers, and corn producers will breathe a lot easier. Mexico has just increased their tariffs on U.S. pork. How have the tariffs affected your ability to compete in that market, and do you fear you'll lose market share? And that's the biggest factor. You, you become uncompetitive in these markets. We are not the only player in the global trade, especially in the pork side. I mean, it's a very competitive industry. Canada is a big competitor. They can access pork out of South America, European uh, market. There's just been a recent uh, Mexican-European trade deal. They will have easier market access into their market than we will now facing these 20% tariffs. So it takes you out of the competitive edge that we have. Obviously, we have a you know, a huge advantage geographically with doing trade with Mexico, uh, logistical, but when you're slapped with a 20% tariff on your product, it becomes a very difficult situation. So China is an opportunity, and certainly for the purchase of variety meats, helping to increase the value of the carcass, as you suggested. The Chinese are responding to tariffs that have been put in place by the administration and even more now have suggested What's the level of tariffs and what's the opportunity you'll sell pork into China uh, as long as these tariffs are in place? Jeff, if we stay at the level we're at today, uh, 62% tariff, you're, you're pretty much priced out of the market. And I am very fearful of losing that market until this trade dispute is settled. And, and historically, trade negotiations take a long time. Um, I think a lot of people in the country... Um, don't realize that these things don't happen overnight. Um, we worked six years on TPP alone, and I've been involved in some other trade negotiations. There's a lot of line items that need to be addressed, and so I'm a, I'm fearful that if these tariffs stay in place, we lose that market. Long term, that's the biggest impact that's going to hurt us. Is we lose our competitive edge to other countries. Other countries are moving forward with trade deals and regional trade deals. We've heard about the regional TPP-11 that's going forward. Um, while the United States sets back and, and, and does not participate. So relationships are being built. Trade is being conducted. Facilities are being built. We're losing a competitive advantage. We're losing time. I think that's the biggest long-term implication of where we are today. That's Another point I'd like to make is that this administration 
promised bilateral trade deals and better trade deals. Two years into the administration, it's time. I think it's time to have something come forward. Yes, we did gain market access into Argentina, which I think long-term will be very positive. We'll get some product now open to U.S. pork. But that's really the only positive. That and the renegotiation of the Korean free trade agreement um, were two positives. But we need something new, and we need to get involved in 21st century global trade. Right now we're taking steps backward, certainly from an agricultural standpoint, and it's, it's a tough one to, to deal with. But, again, we'll be there to help the administration and, and support them in every way on negotiating a, a new trade agreement. But we are losing ground to our competitors. John, that leads me to the next question. Uh, the president and the ag secretary have called farmers patriots and said that you understand and are willing to make sacrifice to see gain. They've also said that they have your back. So how possibly could the administration help to rectify losses by pork producers immediately in the marketplace for this year? And then how do you make up for the lost momentum that you had built that now certainly is in question? Yeah, and again, as you visit with fellow producers around the country, no one is interested in any type of a subsidy payment or protection payment. We want market access and to sell our product. And the fear is losing that long-term competitive advantage. We can play with anybody on the globe as far as producing high-quality, safe product, but if you can't sell it in these countries, it isn't going to work. And the other thing that's happening right now, I mean, we're looking at red ink in the pork industry. I just glanced at some of the deferred futures, lean futures, contracts here this morning and this thing is being built into the market every day here in the last couple of weeks and i think there's going to be a lot of implications from it i think it's going to go beyond just pork producers um certainly the row crop sector is in a world of hurt um with exports as well when it starts impacting other segments of the economy i think there's going to be a lot of pressure on this administration to get something resolved and get us moving moving forward john if it's not adequately compensated or if it's not quickly resolved do you fear attrition among pork producers and among an industry a packing industry i think that definitely is in the back of my mind obviously younger producers and any producers with a significant amount of leverage are in real jeopardy and i don't think that's necessarily just pork producers i think that's in all of agriculture uh, row crop producers as well um, we're hearing of some some bad things happening not that far away from here. It, it, it's been tough. The farm economy has been down roughly 50% over the last four or five years. And then now to have this impact and really bleak outlook, you kind of lose all of your optimism when you lose these foreign markets. It's going to be tough on a segment of our um, ag economy. There's no question about it. Once that starts to snowball or starts impacting other things, I mean, I think our farm equipment dealers are are feeling the impact of this. And I guess another point I would make uh, that farmers are feeling the brunt of is our increased costs. If you want to build or expand, uh, build a new building, uh, put a new roof on a building, the price increases of steel have been phenomenal out here. I mean, I can... I know for a fact of uh, several cancellations on grain bins and hog buildings uh, just because of price increases. 
and uh, it's tough. We're feeling it on both sides in agriculture, and I like to maintain my optimism, but it's getting time for something to happen here on the trade front and get some of these tariffs corrected and get back in the marketplace. John, I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation that may be not that far-fetched. Uh, Open Mike is listened to uh, very diligently by members of uh, agriculture committees, by staffers, and we understand even some inside the administration. So if you were holding court with the president and his trade advisors and leaders of the Congress, what's your message right now? What do you tell them about the situation that you're in? Yeah, I think it's got to become a uh, uh, just a high-priority issue, um, or we're going to start seeing other segments of the economy impacted as agriculture is being impacted. And, uh, you know, my message would be that we want to sell our products globally, and we need access into these markets and we need to be competitive and and again that that's my message um i think some of these problems can be dealt with um i I don't think they're insurmountable i support this administration in wanting fair trade i will fully agree you know that some segments of our economy were not treated fairly in some of these trade deals but they can be corrected and the thing we have to remember is if you're going to participate in the global marketplace, you have to be competitive. And if you're not competitive, you have to ask yourself why. And fortunately in agriculture, I think we can compete with most everyone around the globe, and uh, we need access to these markets to do that. Were you disappointed to see the immigration vote fail in the House and does that put additional hope or pressure for another bill that might come up even in this month? We were all disappointed that the immigration issue wasn't uh, addressed properly. Um, we have a desperate need in agriculture for immigrant labor, both in production and in processing. We have to come up with a system where these people have a legal way to come to this country to work. And... What they do here, I think, needs to be clarified. Obviously, I think other countries understand border security. I don't think border security should be this big factor that it is. We all want border security, but we have to have a program and a system to allow people that want to work in this country to come here, have a job, pay taxes, and have either a path towards citizenship or the ability to renew their visa to stay here. So... We've got to address this problem. Agriculture is really hurting, and back to these new packing plants is the same way. Uh, they're having a tough time finding a labor force to man these, these facilities, and we really depend on immigrant labor. So we're going to be very supportive of, of the whole immigration issue, um, trying to get something going, and we have to improve our visa program to get workers into this country. John, with the subject of WOTUS, there's a changing of the guard at the EPA, and there is a new face that will come to the Supreme Court. How important are those faces, and has that changed the NPPC position on WOTUS? First of all, I don't think it will change our position. We want to be involved or have some input in the new rule. It has to be a workable rule. I'm confident in this administration and the people that they put in place. Obviously, it's a little premature on the Supreme Court side. It could have an impact on how the law is interpreted. I'm probably quite confident whatever comes forth will be challenged, probably by environmentalists. But 
we need a workable rule to define what waters are navigable waters in this country and how it will be regulated from that point forth. And we want to be involved in that. I know other segments of the ag economy want to be involved in that as well. Uh, we are the industry that's really being regulated with the WOTUS rule. So being involved in it, having a workable rule, uh, not just having it handed to you uh, on a plate is uh, where we want to be. That's our position at MPPC. Um, I'm confident that our new administrator, I think, will we'll take that approach of working with uh, multiple industries in developing a sound waters of the United States definition. Well, John Weber, we know a farmer's work is never done, and we thank you for taking time out of your schedule uh, to spend with us here on this edition of Open Mic. John, it is open mic, and you get the last word, sir. Well, I've you know enjoyed this opportunity. I, I'm I'm long-term optimistic about U.S. agriculture. I'm, I'm confident that this administration will get some of these problems solved. It's it's a little bit tough being on the front end of of these negotiations, but we will get through it. And I'm very optimistic long-term about U.S. ag. Our thanks to Iowa hog farmer John Weber, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dowling.